Well, amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, find Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We'll look together at verses 6 and 7. The word of God says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God. We live in the space between two shaloms, two pieces, P-E-A-C-E, not P-I-C, not P-I-E-C-E. In fact, if the Bible could be summed up, it could be summed up as shalom, peace, lost, or shalom, peace, recovered. The Bible is all about how God is taking creation from a garden of peace to a city of peace. From Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to Revelation 21 and 22, God is bringing the world back to its intended design, only better. And all of us along the way are trying to find peace. As I've grown up and have begun the process of adulting, I see that there's a level of peace that the world can give to you. Retirement, health insurance, a paid-off mortgage. These are things that can give you some level of peace in this life. And while these things are good and good gifts, these aren't the, this isn't the kind of peace that the Bible speaks of. This isn't the kind of peace that marks the bookends of the Bible, because if it was, it would be far too easily lost. Hasn't this year taught us that the economy can sink? You can lose your job. A pandemic can break out. Your house can burn down, you get sick and die, and poof, all earthly security can leave you in a moment. But rather, the Bible speaks of and offers a different kind of peace, a transcendent peace. And this morning, I want us to consider what kind of peace this is and where we can find it. Peace that surpasses all understanding and all pandemics and all circumstances. And it is found in the Prince of Peace. We've been looking over the last several weeks and so in a Christmas Advent series called The Sun Shall Be Given. And we've considered the four names that we read there in verse 6. How Jesus would be a wonderful counselor. He would be mighty God. He would be everlasting Father. And, and this morning we're going to consider how he is the Prince of Peace. And in this name, I see three realizations that we need to walk into 2021 with. We need to walk into this new year with. And first, we need to realize that Jesus is the ruler of peace. He is the ruler 
of peace. Jesus is Lord. He is king. He is sovereign. And not just in some abstract or superficial way. We often talk about God being in control in sort of a very in sort of a very trite and cute sort of way. But let me really just bring this home that Jesus is truly the king over everything. And that he is truly directing everything in the universe toward his purposes and toward the renewal of all things. And one of the ways that God unfolds his plan through the world as you look in the Bible is through a series of covenants, through a series of promises that God gives to a particular people and particular nations. When we dive into the book of Genesis again in the new year, we'll see that God made a covenant to Abraham. He made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And specific to our passage this morning, he made a covenant with David. And here's what he covenanted and promised to do for David. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here's what he says. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this promise is that David would have this series of, of, of sons and lines of kings that would come after him, but the ultimate fulfillment of this promise of this never-ending kingdom and perfect king to come would be found in Jesus. In the Prince of Peace, we would find the full and final fulfillment. Look back at, at Isaiah 9, verse 7. Look at this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Friends, this is someone who has control over all things. But Jesus' kingship is literally all over the Bible. It's everywhere. Consider, even in the season we celebrated at Christmas, Jesus is declared to be king of the universe. This from Luke chapter 1. And behold, speaking to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He is king forever. And this isn't just news announced at the nativity. In Easter, Jesus is declared to be the king of the universe. When he rises again from the dead and right before he ascends into heaven, Matthew chapter 28 tells us, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Every bit of it. That there's no other authority in anywhere else that other people ultimately have. All of it is his. There's this, the, this Christian pastor who was also the prime minister of the Netherlands in the early 20th century. His name's Abraham Kuyper. And he summed this up really well. I love this quote. Abraham Kuyper said this, There is not a square inch... And the whole dominion over human existence, which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. There's not a single thing that isn't ultimately his. Nothing. Not a thing. And friends, let me tell you, COVID-19 hasn't changed any of this. 
hasn't taken Jesus off of his throne. And, why, and many of us have experienced so much anxiety, whether it's with, with the pandemic or we've spent so much time and anxiety and concern over who was going to govern the United States. Whereas, let me tell you, the Bible's headline to the world is that the one on the white throne makes the one in the White House look like a measly little ant. But he's the one. And he's, friends, let me tell you something. He is not going anywhere. Presidents are going to come and go. Some of them get four years. Maximum, they're going to get eight years. There's going to be senators and congressmen, though it may seem like they will stay forever. Friends, they will eventually die and no longer be in office. And, and, and I just have a heart when I think about these people because to whom much is given, much will be required. And it's a call to pray for them. But let me tell you something. Jesus ain't up for election. He's not going to be vacated of his seat, and he's not going to retire. The Prince of Peace is the king of a government that's going to go on and on and on and on and never go anywhere. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 reminds us that we have a king who isn't shaken, the ruler of peace. But second, we need to consider not just the ruler of peace, but also the reality of peace. The reality of peace. Of peace. It's super important to think about what exactly is he talking about when he talks about peace here. What exactly is shalom? And friends, there are really two, there are, there are a few elements to this. First, you'll see in your notes, God's peace is vertical. God's peace is vertical. Peace between God and man. That may sound abstract, but friends, it is nonetheless real. Have you ever considered the truly stunning statement that the Bible says that we can be at peace with God? We can be at right relationship with the creator of all things, that the one who rules over creation can actually smile upon you and not be angry with you? Though from our birth we have sought to live our own way, to throw off God's commands, and to make ourselves supreme, we're so prone to take credit for everything we have when we had very little to do with it. And in the midst of that attitude, God has made a way to reconcile us to him. And it isn't simply automatic. It doesn't just happen because God is far too good and holy and we're far too sinful and rebellious. And let me tell you something else. The gulf cannot be, uh, the gulf between us cannot be reconciled through good works or through your church attendance, through your giving, or through anything we can offer. The only thing that could bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful man was the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come not simply to be our king, but to be our sacrifice. He came and he lived a fully human, sinless life. He was persecuted and murdered by those he came to save. And on the cross, they hung him. And there he took upon himself the punishment we deserve for the sins we committed. And he was buried. And in that moment, it appeared that all hope was lost. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he forever defeated sin and death. And to announce without question or argument, he is king over all things. And we should consider for the moment just just the links that God went to to reconcile mankind to himself. 
the cross makes two statements. It makes a statement of how evil sin is. Look what it took to deal with sin. But it also declares for us the love of God. Look what he was willing to do to reconcile us to God and to bring us to peace with him. And through turning from sin and trusting by faith in the cross and the empty tomb, we're reconciled to God. Look at this verse, Romans 5.1. Look at this. This is incredible. Therefore, since we have been justified, that word just means reconciled and right relationship with God, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have this incredible reality that we can be at peace with God. We can be justified, reconciled, made just, and set right, our debt fully paid before God, and we're no longer simply enemies reconciled. We're enemies that have been adopted, and friends, you get a seat at God's family table. He, not, he doesn't just simply go, well, you can live in the house next to me. No, he invites you over, and you get to be at full peace with him. The Prince of Peace brings us vertical peace between us and God. But God's peace is also horizontal. God's peace, friends, is, is horizontal. It impacts how we live together. It overflows into peace to one another. And friends, this is so relevant in our day. Because let me tell you something. If you've not been on Facebook recently, there's a lot of things people are not at peace about. There's a lot of things people are upset with one another about. There are, there are all sorts of things people raging about politics. There's all this hostility along racial and ethnic lines. But I want to remind us that the Bible is not silent about any of these issues. And that God's word is so relevant for us because the gospel offers a solution that the world could never offer. True peace between mankind. Consider one verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. Look at this. Speaking of Jesus, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the laws of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Here he's speaking about all of the barriers whether it was racial or religious or social, the hostility that was dividing the Jews and Gentiles in the first century. And he says that Jesus, by by his coming, he has killed all of that, and reconciliation has won. That we no longer have these people over here and these people over here, but we are one new man, one body, one family. Yes, full of diversity full of different experiences that need to be discussed and heard, but we are truly one family in Jesus. Friends, the gospel is key to bringing about peace in our social hostility because it's only by the gospel that all people from various bloodlines can be united in one bloodline, the blood of Jesus. All the dividing walls torn down, all division ultimately united. The gospel brings about horizontal 
peace, peace between you and me, between us and one another. If you need a perfect example, just consider the early church, the early apostles and disciples in the Gospels. We see that they came from all sorts of different backgrounds. There was a guy named Matthew. He wrote one of the Gospels. He was a tax collector, and Simon was a zealot. Simon's zealot party was working against the government, while Matthew's tax collecting party worked for the government. Do you not think they had some differing political views and might have cast a ballot a little differently in their day? And yet, they were united together. Paul was a Pharisee and had murdered Stephen in the book of Acts, and yet he was sitting next to and writing books of the New Testament and was sitting next to people in worship. So many of us are so unwilling to to let go of the wrong people have done to us. Consider them. And there were all and there were so many women and people of other racial lines that were that were disciples of Jesus. What could have brought all of these folks together? It wasn't their race because they had all of these different races and experiences and backgrounds. It certainly wasn't politics. It wasn't even their culture. Many of them had different languages and different experiences. The only foundation for unity was the divider-collapsing, hostility-killing, one new man-creating cross and empty tomb of Jesus. The Prince of Peace brought the true reality of peace, both vertically and horizontally. But third, God's peace is also global. It's global. Vertically, we we are brought to peace with God on the basis of the blood of Jesus alone. Horizontal peace is rooted in that unity that Jesus purchased. But finally, we're promised a global peace. Did you notice that his government would be an ever-increasing government? Look back at verse 7, Isaiah 9, verse 7 again. Look at this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Meaning, hear me, we have yet to fully experience this kingdom and therefore the fullness of the peace that it brings. We can say in one sense that the kingdom is already here because Jesus is ruling and reigning and bringing peace and reconciliation now, but it's also not yet as it will be because There's not peace everywhere. Consider, if you're in Isaiah 9, just flipping over a few pages to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. We see an incredible global vision of peace. And look with me, Isaiah chapter 11, and look at verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, Jesse was David's dad, King David's dad. So it's saying, hey, there's going to be an ancestor in the line of David who would bring all of this about. And then verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithlessness the belt of his loin and faithfulness the belt of 
of his loin. Friends, doesn't that sound a little bit like what we were reading in Isaiah 9, but sort of opened up a little bit? A king was going to come and rule with righteousness and justice, and look what's going to happen. Let's continue reading. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Now, hear me. The wolf and the lamb dwell together now, right? But one's on the menu. That's not what we have in the picture here. This is a picture of creation and harmony of the wolf and the lamb sharing Christmas dinner together in peace. And it continues, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. What an incredible peace that's promised here. God promises to bring this about through the kingdom of Jesus. A day is coming when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And friends, this is certain. And notice as a part of that promise, he promises that one day God's word is going to cover the earth like waters cover the seas. I don't know if you've been to the seas, but there's a ton of water there. In fact, you'd almost say it's everywhere. There's a day coming when his word will be everywhere, his peace will be brought, and creation will be recreated. And that's, in fact, the third reality I want us to see. We have a ruler of peace, Jesus the king, who governs from the throne of David and is sovereign over everything. We have a reality of peace that God brings shalom vertically between us and God, horizontally between man and man, and globally as he promises to create a new heavens and a new earth and to restore all things. We must realize, finally, the, reality, the reliability of peace, the reliability of peace, the absolute certainty, the unquestionable promise that this peace will come. Look back, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7 again. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Did you see that? What will bring about this eternal, everlasting, righteous kingdom of Christ here on earth? What's going to bring about the resurrection of creation? What will bring about the restoration of shalom over every inch of the cosmos? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. In other words, God will most assuredly do it. He's promised to do it. He's zealous and excited about doing it. He has a passion to do it, a commitment, a zeal so great that he sent Jesus to secure it. Friends, you got to be zealous about it if you're willing to come to earth and die on a cross for it. If you're willing to endure not just horrible, painful agony of physical death, but to taste the deep, real cup of God's anger towards sin in order to make it so. Christmas, the God-man in the manger, 
Good Friday, the God-man on the cross, and Easter, the God-man resurrected from the dead, is a clear display of God's zeal to renew and restore the creation back to shalom, back to peace. Mark it done. It has been marked by a newborn baby, by a bloody cross, and by an empty tomb. God will get it done. Mark it down. There is a day coming when COVID-19 will be no more. And along with it, no more cancer, no more migraines, no more common colds or other sicknesses. Hear me. There's going to be a day when every hospital is going to be out of business. Mark it down. There's going to be a day without any more elections. Hallelujah. The kingdoms of the world will be united under their true king. And mark it down, a day is coming when all tribes and tongues and languages and nations and colors and races on earth will be united in singing a song to God. And they'll sing this, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. They'll sing, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Mark it down. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He's going to get it done. Friends, we can't mark down much much these days, can we? We don't even know what next week is going to bring And and that's what life between shaloms looks like. It's a life of real struggle, real defeats, real sorrow, real corruption. But Jesus has come as the Prince of Peace, and he is in the process of making all things new. Friends, you have a spot there on your notes asking you this question. What do you need peace about in 2021? And I want you to put something there. Maybe COVID-19 is giving you sleepless nights. Maybe politics has you anxious. Maybe you've got personal or family issues. Maybe it's something with your parents or something with your kids or grandkids. I want you to write it down. I want you to spend a few minutes uh, today and even maybe for for the rest of the year praying and giving it to the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord Almighty. He holds all creation In his hands. He is the true king over all, holy, sovereign, and supreme. And 2,000 years ago, he came to live a perfect life for us. He came to die on the cross and there die in our place. And he rose again from the dead on the third day, defeating sin and death to secure peace with God through faith and to enable us to live in peace with one another. And he has promised one day to return and bring shalom back to every inch of creation. And friends, let me leave you with this final thought. You can taste of that future shalom today. You can experience a taste of it today because true peace can be experienced with Jesus. Yes, our sins can be forgiven and we can be restored to him. We can experience peace between us and others. But we can taste of that future global peace today because on the night before his death, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He offers real peace, not the sort of peace retirement gives or a good job gives or a paid-off mortgage gives, a peace in our hearts that stands the tests of time. And Jesus would go on to tell them where this peace is found. John 16, 33, you'll see it in your notes. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Mark it, you will have it. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He offers a peace that surpasses the real tribulations of the world. A peace that transcends sickness and pandemic and fears and loss and heartbreak. A peace rooted in the one who has overcome the world. And I would encourage us in these moments, whether it be the first time we've done this or, or the hundredth time we've done this, to take on the invitation of 1 Peter 5.7 that says, we're invited to cast our anxieties on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. Whether it be besetting sins in your life, you can turn from those and lay those before him and find forgiveness and life. Whether it be a family situation or, or some sort of hostility between you and another, lay it down, forgive them, and let the blood of Christ reunite you and your brother. Whether it be concerns about the world, know that one day a global peace is coming. And whatever you need peace about in 2021, lay it before him and let his word reach to you and serve you and speak to you in this time. Turn today and find peace in the Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. Father God, we are a people in need of peace. Whoever we are, wherever we are, we are a people in need of peace. So I ask in these next moments, people have marked down on their pages all sorts of things that they're in need of peace. If I pray in these moments, you would meet them by your spirit through your word and give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. Bring them to peace with you through repentance and faith in, in what you have done in, your, in, in Jesus's perfect life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Restore fallen brothers and sisters and families together through repentance and forgiveness. And maybe look toward the day that you promise you are zealous to bring about the full restoration, the radical resurrection of everything in the cosmos. Lord, we await that day and we pray as you called us to pray, come Lord Jesus, come. We pray that you would make every inch of earth as it is in heaven. Lord, work in your people's hearts in these next moments. And we ask and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. How great is our God? We're going to start with a chorus. I love, I love that word, Pastor, today. Just casting our cares and just knowing that Jesus meets us where we are, that he is king, he is sovereign, he is Yahweh Sabaoth, host of heavens. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will sing how great, 
How great is our God. How great. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God. from God's word as we head not only out into the world but into a new year this week this from 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way the Lord be with you all amen